It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Here comes the throw. Stick handles across the Sharks line. Try to drop it back. Barely kept in by Fiala. He makes the move on Nieto, gets by him to the net, takes the shot. I think Merkley might have got a little piece defending it went wide. Kept in by Minnesota. Cross-eye speed for Spurgeon, the captain of the Wild. Gives to Fiata. He twists. He shoots. Score! Goal number 30 of the season for Kevin Fiata, who has been all-world tonight. And the final score will be the Minnesota Wild 5, the San Jose Sharks 4 in overtime. The Sharks are winless in 10 games. It's tough losing these games in overtime. Obviously, I thought we played well enough to win. And, uh, um, you know, this is the third game on this road trip where we got to over, overtime and couldn't get it done. Uh, um, you know, one against Nashville in overtime, one in a shootout against Chicago tonight again. And, you know, I was I was proud of the guys. I thought we uh, we, we, we worked our butts off and uh, um, we gave it all we had, I think, with the lineup that we had in and, and uh, um, you know, scoring, scoring four goals. Goals, uh, getting a shorthanded goal, um, you know, I thought we did a lot of good things. I think that, uh, you know, they kept coming and, and they're one of the higher scoring teams in the league. And uh, um, this is a good hockey team we just faced today. And we've played five games in nine days. Um, you know, we played a lot of hockey with our veteran guys. It was our third game in four nights back to back. So um, I think there's a lot more positive to pull out of this game than negative. I got to say, it is pretty remarkable to watch the results stack up like this for the San Jose Sharks. And as we talk about the team being in a transitory phase or transitioning from one era to the next, it's hard not to look back and think about when was the last time the Sharks had a 10-game losing streak uh, or 10 winless, however you want to view it, because yes, there have been some overtime losses and those we regard a little bit differently. Uh, Too many overtime losses. It's pretty remarkable. Um, But... You know, I, I, it's indicative of the era truly having come to an end. And obviously that was, you know, kind of punctuated by the fact that Doug Wilson was stepping down from his role, that it was, you know, there's no more Joe Thornton. There's no more Patrick Marlowe. There's no more Joe Pavelski. And like I said, Doug Wilson stepped down and, you know, hearing Logan Couture say those words when he found out about Doug stepping down, it was like, wow, this is really the end. And then when you see the results being back to what they were before, you know, the acquisition of Jumbo was made. And not that the Sharks were some abysmal franchise before that point, but they hadn't been playing well that season. Um, you know, it was just, it's very, it's alarming to think that it's, you know, it's it's all come crashing down so soon. And the thing is, the ultimate takeaway that I have is when I watch the Sharks is like, this is good entertainment. When I'm watching the Sharks last night, I am engaged I am enthralled. That's a back and forth. It's a highly entertaining product. It's something I've talked about time and time again is there's, you can be bad 
and you can have a product that nobody wants to watch and people don't want to show up and people don't want to turn it on the TV and you're going to be not rewarded by your experience. Just as urban, you might not be, you might not be rewarded with a win, but you know, when you're a fan of a bad team, sometimes you just don't even want to turn it on because the product is so bad. The Sharks product is ra- rather compelling right now. You love everything you see out there on the ice in terms of, are they playing hard? Is it giving you good entertainment? They can open it up and go back and forth, up and down the ice. They can play a conservative game. They're physical. They fight for one another. They have some guys who will make some highlight reel plays. It's a really engaging product. It's just not producing any wins. And in the last eight games, there are you know two games where there's a separation of uh, you know one goal and then an empty netter. You have six one-goal games. You have a number of overtime games over that stretch and shootouts, all of which have ended in losses. And now you're just... You know, you're back up to 10 in a row without a win. But my word, I mean, it is rather entertaining. There's never a point where I think to myself, boy, I don't want to watch this tonight. I am always like, yeah, I want to watch this tonight. This is really, really fun. The Sharks, every single time they take the ice, they give you something compelling to watch. They have entertaining players. And once again, they're doing this, uh, you know, relatively shorthanded. You know, two of their most important players, Eric Carlson and uh, Alexander Barabanov, are back in San Jose. They didn't finish the trip. They're dealing with some injury, and that's been the case for the San Jose Sharks all year, and they're pretty good at dealing with it, and they haven't had Kevin LeBanc all year, and you know, you go on and on and on and on and on, but still, Bob Bugner keeps on rolling out young guys who have the ability to contribute and have the ability to play hard, and it keeps the Sharks in every single game. I mean, think about the teams that they have been playing over this last little stretch. Uh, you go up against, obviously, Nashville. That's a team fighting for their playoff lives. You lose one nothing. You lose 2-1 to the Stars, a team fighting for their playoff lives. You lose 5-4 to Minnesota in overtime, a team pl- playing for their lives. And you have an emotionally charged night for the Chicago Blackhawks when you lose 5-4 to them in a shootout on what was an emotional night for them with the uh, retirement of Pat Foley, their longtime broadcaster. I mean, th- these are not terrible results. These are one-goal games. These are highly compelling. You go back before that, a 5-4 loss to Dallas on the second, to Saturday night. Then the 2-1 loss to Edmonton in overtime. I mean, this is just, it's staggering to watch, right? You don't look at these games and say, oh, the Sharks are getting skated off the ice. Listen, they've had some stinkers this year. I'm not going to deny that. But when I'm watching the Sharks, I'm pretty drawn in. I am pretty, you know, just like, wow, this is exciting. And watching that game yesterday, it was phenomenal. It was a really, really entertaining game. You had goals aplenty. You had great effort. You had big hits. I loved it when Timo Meyer got pissed off and retaliated and drew the penalty. And then what did the Sharks penalty do? Their penalty killed do last night. They were perfect. And they even produced a goal. That was a highly entertaining game. That was really, really fun. And I don't think you walk away disappointed other than the fact that the Sharks lost, which, yes, it sucks. I totally get it. I, you know, that goal goes in an overtime. It's a very loud expletive for me. And I say, all right, let's eat dinner after the press conference. Because that's what I, you know, that's what my uh, road game is like. It's just, you know, my family gets to watch me react to the games, hear a loud expletive, and then I tell them we'll, we'll eat dinner after the press conference, and then I get on with my evening. But, I mean, this, this is not terrible hockey. This is not a terrible team. And, again, it keeps on giving me an idea that the Sharks are so close. That's what makes this so frustrating to watch. And the word frustration I've alluded to this time and time again. It's probably the most overused term in the dictionary for the Sharks this year. But, I mean, it is, it, it's moved from frustration to almost exasperation for me at this point. And I think it is exasperating to watch the Sharks 
play such a good game and go up against a high-caliber opponent and watch them unable to walk away with a win. And it's it's something that I don't like talking about in terms of when you see it happen, but it's it's a reality for the Sharks right now is they are good enough to lose. And I don't think that that's inflammatory as people often say it, but it's like, listen, they are good enough to lose by a goal. They're good enough to get enough in overtime and lose in a shootout. You know, they're good enough to just get it to the final stretches of the game and not have enough to tip themselves over the top. And I guess that's what happens on road trips sometimes, but it's like the Sharks, you know, they're not in the playoffs. So to watch them be so close and watch them go toe to toe with a lot of teams that are in the playoffs, I mean, it's indicative A of yes, they don't have enough to win these games, but it's also that they're not that far off. And then you look about, you know, last night, the big story going into it was the implementation of Thomas Bordelow, who represents the future of the San Jose Sharks. And yes, I, you know, I, I wanted to see him as much as anyone. I, I hate the pressure and the hype that goes into it because I feel that it's not fair to him because you you want to allow him to develop. You want to allow him to turn into a, uh, you know, a, a player and not feel the pressure. But you know what? I, I felt that he played pretty darn well. I liked what I saw from him out there on the ice. I liked that he had a hand in two goals. He walked away with his point uh, with a point in his first game and you know, obviously I don't expect him to have a point in every game, but he showed right away that he can come in and help the Sharks contribute. And you think, you know, he's 20 years old. He looked like a kid up there in his pregame press conference. I was laughing at it, just thinking to myself, man, this guy is, you know, I'll be 40 in July. So he's essentially half my age. And I just, it cracks me up. I'm like, this guy is out there. I, you know, what was I doing when I was 20? Wasn't playing in the NHL. I can tell you that much. Um, so, you know, you watch these things, you see these guys work, you watch the way they they go out there and they go about their business. Um, you know, it's it's impressive to watch him come in at this level and have the skill set to where he can go out and play in the NHL. But, you know, when I'm watching the Sharks, again, I am not, you know, frustrated with the with the effort. I am not frustrated with the play on the ice. You're frustrated with the results. You're exasperated that they get so close and get defeated in so many of these games. But the product, it's not that far off, and it is rather compelling and entertaining. And I, you know, I'm a big entertainment guy. I've talked about this time and time again. And when the Sharks are not entertaining, it's when they're getting blown out by Nashville 8-0. That's the type of game that you really, you know, you don't like to see. On the other end of the spectrum, you have what we've seen lately, which, yes, is exasperating, is frustrating. It makes you, you know, just kind of drop your head, slump your shoulders when you see that goal go in in overtime. But at the same time, you are seeing the Sharks building towards the future. You watch the way these young guys play. You watch... The, what you hope is going to be the future of the franchise developing before your eyes. And I think that adds entertainment value. It doesn't make it any easier to watch um, in terms of stomaching the results, which is not fun. But you also do watch what's going on with the players. You watch, you know, Noah Gregor and Sasha Shemilevsky. And, you know, we've seen a lot of young guys over the course of the season. Santori Hatika, you know, he's out there. And, you know, you just, you like it. You appreciate it. I mean, the Sharks had seven rookies, I think, off the top of my head. Seven rookies on the ice last night and went toe-to-toe with a team battling for their playoff lives on the road on the second night of a back-to-back. That tells me a lot about where this team's headspace is. That tells me a lot about where their you know, compete level is. It tells me about them not being that far off. And it tells me a lot about Bob Bugner. You know, I, I look at everything that Bob Bugner brings to the San Jose Sharks, and I think that there's a couple of things, you know, that he is just, he's not brutally honest, because I think that's a term that people use as an excuse to be a jerk, but Bob Bugner is one of those guys is he is not going to blow smoke. He is going to be very honest and upfront, 
And he is going to also, in that honesty, tell you exactly what he needs. And he does that with his players. He does it, you know, he tells the media. He's very, very clear about what he needs guys to be. And if he needs to sit a guy down, if he needs guys to understand exactly the viewpoint that they're coming from, you know, he's he's very capable of doing so. And I, I look at that and I appreciate everything that he is able to do. And I appreciate everything that he does in that capacity in terms of being an honest coach and not trying to play games. Beyond that, his coaching style is allowing these young players to be contributors, A, and B, he's keeping the Sharks in every game when they are out of the playoffs, when they are in a talent deficit, when they are missing key players, when they are rotating in guys up from the Barracuda, when they are dealing with guys in their NHL debuts. I mean, this this is impressive stuff, and I know that it's your reaction to it is probably like, Ted, they're losing, but you know, I've been around sports enough in my life to know that it doesn't always go this way. When you're trying to use young players, when you're trying to, you know, get guys time on the ice, when you're trying to build for the future, there can be ugly, ugly games. There can be ugly results. There can be ultimately a product out there that you don't want to watch, but credit to the Sharks. They have put themselves in the position in all of these games as of late to where they have a chance to win winnable games. These are not blowouts. These are not, you know, just getting run off the ice. These are not teams that are being overwhelmed. They are in almost every game and they are just, they're ultimately not good enough to get the win. And that's frustrating as all get out. Like I said, exasperating, but it does give me hope for what you would, you know, think to see is going to happen next year. Because, you know, again, you look at the offensive depth, the forward is the issue. And actually they scored some goals last night. And of course, you know, it's how many times have we watched, you know, the difference in the games where Noah Gregor, Gregor scores, I go back to that game in Washington before the break when Noah Gregor scored a goal early and the Sharks went on to win. And that's one of those things. It's like if Noah Gregor can score, the Sharks are a better team. And I know I, I know that sounds rather obvious, but he is one of your depth players. But because he's out there on the ice a lot, because he has a lot of skill set, because he generates these opportunities and hasn't been finishing them, it, you know, it shows you how much of an impact his matured or actualized game could have. And no, I don't expect him to score a goal every game. I don't expect him to be, you know, a, a, a number one player in the NHL, but it just shows like, yeah, when you have more of your depth scoring, look how much it goes to help you. And last night was just one of those games where it was, you know, you watched contribute contributions come from everywhere. Now, obviously I'm not breaking any news here, but it is not good to fall behind by two goals on the road, but credit to the Sharks. They get a goal from Rudolph Balsers and he's suddenly got them at a one goal deficit. Then early in the second period, you get Neats getting on the board, you're level at two. Uh, Boldy scores for the Wild, makes it 3-2, and then Gregor makes it a 3-3 game. You know, then early in the uh, first period, you get Nick Bonino. He comes up with a goal to give the Sharks a 4-3 lead. Fiala comes back with a goal, and that was, you know, we'll get into Bob, Bob Bugner's reaction to it later. You know, my first reaction to it was not interference, but whether or not it was a, uh, a high tip. And it was, you know, I understand that they didn't know if he had touched him outside of the crease, so that's how it goes. And then, you know, Spurgeon scores in overtime. That was all she wrote. And the Sharks walk away with a point, a 5-4 loss. And it was just kind of a, a repeat of what you saw a day before. You know, it's just like, God, these 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 games, they just keep on coming at the Sharks. And the Sharks are in them. They're in them to win them. But ultimately, they can't walk away with the win. And, you know, it's, it's three out of the last four games have been overtime or shootout. And then the Dallas game was a 2-1 loss. I mean, this is just... It's staggering to see. You know, I can't remember in recent memory when I've seen something like this. I go back to uh, 
November of 2019 when the Sharks were in a bad way after the rough start of the season. It was the last hurrah of Pete DeBoer, and the Sharks had a couple of overtime wins. Logan Couture had some overtime winners. There were some shootout wins. That's about the most recent comparison I can have to this. Even though this year, the Sharks have uh, about, I think, seven overtime or shootout wins, and now they have 12 overtime losses on the year. So they're close to about 20 on the year where they have gone to overtime. And I feel like that's the most we've seen from the Sharks, again, in my, in my recent memory. And maybe you don't think about them as much if you walk away with a win, um, I don't think that's the case, but this this seems like a lot. And I think the only team in the NHL now that has more overtime losses, at least, uh, is the Anaheim Ducks. I think after yesterday, they had 14 and we had 12. So yeah, we have 12 overtime losses. Anaheim has 14. Quick scan of the NHL. Yeah, nobody else has has more than the two of us, the Calif- two of the California hockey teams. So that is... That's rather unfortunate, but um, I think it does tell you that, you know, the, the the two California teams in Anaheim and San Jose, you know, they're probably not that far off from being a factor in the NHL in a year or two again, because to me, the Sharks bottomed out last year. And even though we are seeing them not win right now, the way they are losing this year is completely different than how they are losing last year. And yes, they're in the midst of a streak right now, which is no fun, but in a lot of these games, they are getting points, which I think is important to note for uh, emotional reasons, for signs of growth, for signs of competitiveness. And I also think that you are going to be adding more this offseason that will allow them to be more competitive in the near future. And yeah, I get it. You might be saying, Ted, they're not winning. That's the only thing it comes down to. And you, you probably have a point. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, to watch them be in all these games, to watch them have good performances, to watch them earn points, even though it's 10 games now without them getting a win, I would much rather it be like this than what you see with, you know, a team like Arizona right now. And I don't mean to pick on Arizona, but, you know, they're 2-8-0 in their last 10, and they have a goal differential of minus 104, whereas the Sharks are sitting at minus 46. I mean, that is, that, that's 60 goals darn near difference. I mean, that's a huge, huge difference. You know, you look at the team at the bottom of the uh, the Eastern Division right now. It's Montreal. They are, you know, 2-8-0 in their last 10. They are at minus 98. You know, Philadelphia is at minus 82, 2-8-0 in their last 10 as well with five straight losses. I mean, these are not... I know you, it's like, Ted, this is a terrible comparison to make because you're comparing to the worst teams in the league. I'm just saying there's bad and there's bad. And there's two different ways of looking at it, in my opinion, And for the Sharks, again, to be playing like this in games, giving us a compelling product to watch, I'll take this any day of the week over how it could have worked out uh, over the course of 82 games. Yeah, not in the playoffs, not the greatest team in the NHL. It's not going to sell you on, you know, thinking the Sharks are some great team right now, but right now they're an entertaining team. They put a compelling product out there on the ice, and ultimately they keep you engaged over the course of the game because it's clearly it's never over. I mean, even when the Sharks do go down two goals to none, they get themselves right back into it. And again, you're, you're watching a, a Thomas Bordalo. You're seeing what he develops into. You see Ryan Merkley. You get guys like Santoriatica coming up and contributing, and you see what he can add for the future. You know, I, I find a lot of reasons that the Sharks are interesting right now, even if they are not getting the results that you'd like to get them to see. And you know, ultimately, at this point, when you are you know looking at a, a deep draft, I don't have a problem with the Sharks ending up with a better draft pick because what else are you playing for right now but the future? I I don't want them to lose intentionally, but if they do lose, 
you know, it, it helps with the with the draft process. Or, you know, it increases their chances of getting a good pick. So I am not going to be too upset about that. I am not going to get upset about the losses. I am not going to get upset about what is out of my control. I'm just going to look at this and say, yeah, they're playing for the future. They're competitive. They're engaged. They're clearly in a talent deficit, and they are not that far off. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get into post-game reaction on the other side. You're on Morning Tide. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open a nice cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Bordelow circling at the red line, just dumps in. Now he's going to chase as Flurry makes the stick stop behind the goal. Bordelow there in position, intercepts. Flips to Balsers, now back to Burns. The shot, save made. Rebound, Gregor, score! Thomas Bordelow made that thing happen. And Gregor ties the game 3-3. Taka coming in at the, at the last minute, I thought he handled himself well. I thought that, uh, you know, Merkley had a, a decent game as well. He, you know, played a lot. Um, and then you look at our fourth line, they may have not have played as much, but, you know, Chemileski and, and uh, um, you know, and Weatherby and those guys, they uh, they all contributed. I mean, they all had uh, um, parts of the game where they uh, they were effective. So that's what we're looking for at this point in time. I think that, uh, um, you know, you're just trying to get them an opportunity to uh, to succeed and, and on the road it's a little tougher with matchups. You saw how many times we were changing mid mid uh, shift to get Cooch out against the big line and uh, uh, but it worked out. They all uh, um, they all did their thing and they're all getting uh, a good chance. I don't know if we call it youth movement or youth necessity, but we are seeing more and more of the future of the San Jose Sharks before our very eyes out there on the ice. Of course, you got Bob Bugner bringing us back there after the goal from Noah Greger. Um, you know, it's it's fun to watch these guys play, you know, and I, I'm trying to view this of the perspective of building towards the future. And, of course, a big part of that was Thomas Bordalo last night. This is what Bob Bugner thought about Bordalo's game. You know, I thought he did a lot of good things. I thought, uh, you know, I talked to him after the first. Of course, he was nervous. And, uh, you know, he, he said to me, I'll be better in the second period. But I thought he actually had a pretty good first period. I think that, uh, um, you know, there's still some defensive stuff to sort out. But uh, you can tell when he's out there, he's, uh, you know, I thought he had a hand in both the uh, um, the goals his line scored. Um, you know, patience, awareness. Um, you know, he had a chance to score there. Uh, um, what was it in the uh, middle or first part of the third period? He had a chance in the door. So I liked his game. I thought, uh, you know, pretty responsible. And uh, for a first game, I thought he handled himself very well. And Bugner also talked about that line with Bordalo at center and Balsers and Gregor on the wings. Of course, both those guys had goals. And, you know, it was, a, in my opinion, a productive night. Really liked it. This morning we debated, uh, you know, what, what wingers we would give Thomas. And, uh, you know, obviously with, with Tommy and Cooch playing center and, you know, Tommy's line providing, you know, probably a, a large percentage of our of our offense all year we wanted to give uh, uh thomas some speed um you know some guys that have got a little bit of experience i thought that line was great and i thought that was the best game that rudy and gregor have played together in a long time and i think thomas had a big hand in that i think that uh you know he slows the game down makes uh, makes plays uh, high-end skill plays and i think that those two guys are, are are north south players up and down wingers and uh, i thought they benefit from playing together after the game we obviously got a chance to talk to thomas bordelow and he weighed in on that first NHL experience. 
Uh, I felt all right. I mean, uh, definitely sometimes I've could have made better plays and stuff like that. But, you know, I think it was good to get the nerves out of the way. Um, obviously, you know, special moment for me and my family. So, um, you know, I just hope we – I just wish we could have got, gotten the win tonight. So, yeah. I do appreciate Bordelo because I think that there is a sense that he's a little bit overwhelmed in the moment, but he's not trying to make up for it by being overconfident. He's not trying to be, you know – boisterous he's just kind of trying to go about his work and he seems like he's very respectful it kind of reminds me of of young Logan Couture a little bit if you can remember back that far but just watching Thomas Bordelow go about his business with the media and watching him yesterday I think that there was a lot being thrown at him I mean he gets up with the Barracuda just last week and then all of a sudden he's being thrown in with an NHL game and it's uh it's a lot to take it's a lot to take. He talked about his assist as well. Um, I don't, I don't remember the play exactly. I just remember kind of picking it up in the corner and then try to try to pass it to the D up top, and then kind of looking up and be, and seeing the other Minnesota forward, and I was like, oh, that's not, it's not really a good play, but somehow it got through and uh, got lucky, and uh, you know, then uh, you know, my linemate just got a good shot off of it, and obviously went in. So that's the bright spot out of last night. You get the Thomas Bordelow debut and you get a point and you get, you know, another good performance. But ultimately, the frustration, the exasperation, the disbelief that you're getting this close so many times, it's got to be building. Uh, this is what Bob Bugner had to offer in terms of the fact that there's been six, um, you know, one goal games and two that included empty netters and a bunch of overtimes in the last eight of this now 10 winless. No, we... It's, it's crazy how close we are on a lot of nights. And, uh, um, you know, I, I've never been through anything like this as, as a coach or as a player, um, you know, losing this many games. And I'm not sure some of those guys in the room have either the veterans and, um, you know, certainly my, my staff. So, you know, it's our job to try and draw on the positives, uh, especially with nine rookies in the lineup tonight is trying to, uh, you know, provide a lot of teaching at this point of, uh, of the season. And, uh, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of good going on and you'll never see it in the wins and loss column right now. And, uh, um, you know, and that's not just trying to be uh, cheesy or positive. That's just, uh, you, you know, knowing what we go through every day and, and working with these guys, um, you know, the first thing as a coach you want your do your team to do is play hard and be competitive, be hard to play against. Those things are all happening. That's, that's a real, uh, important part. I think, um, you know, the rest will follow and, uh, you know, it's, um, it's it's a process here, and I, we've said this over the last two years. It's it's slow and it's painful sometimes, um, you know. But there's uh, there's things going on that are good, and it's just uh, um, it's like I said, it's a process. And uh, to be a part of it, um, you know, there are going to be nights like this, and there's been quite a few of these, uh, few, quite a few of these lately. Yeah, I mean, it is something to watch. Uh, Matt Nieto talked about this after the game as well. Just the overall frustration level, his emotions, his reactions. I mean, they all sound like they are, you know, not frustrated with their game, but all just in a little bit of a miffed or a disbelieving situation that they can't believe they're not getting a win. It sucks. You know, we've had a, uh, we've had a bunch of those now in this uh, losing streak of ours. So um, it's never easy. You know, it's been a lot of one goal games, a lot of overtime games, and um, it's frustrating. Like I'm not going to lie. Um, it sucks, but we have to find a way to end this thing. So, uh, you know, we'll get back home and uh, we have to take care of business next game at home. And boy, am I looking forward to getting the Sharks back home this week, seeing three games at the tank on the schedule. You absolutely love to see that. Um, this is what Noah Gregor had to say as well when he was asked about the frustration out of this uh, recent spate of games where they're so close but unable to walk away with the win. 
Yeah, it's really frustrating. It feels like uh, our game's there most nights, especially on this road trip. It's it's one goal games or it's tie games. Uh, and we got to find ways to to pull out some wins. Uh, it's frustrating. Our game is right there, but uh, you can't continue to lose. So it, we gotta gotta find a way to get a win. Coming up on Tuesday night, the Sharks play Columbus. It feels like that will be that opportunity to get a win. Before we run out of time. I wanted you to hear Bob Bugner's explanation on why they did not challenge goalie interference on the Fiala goal. There was a debate to challenge that or not. As, as Rhymes went to stick his glove out, he hit Rhymes' glove. The problem is there is, you know, if, if any part of his body is outside the crease, um, that was the debate we were having with, uh, uh, you know, Danny Darrow watching it, us watching it on the TV. Um, you know, that was the debate, and, and we came to the conclusion that it was outside the crease. And uh, um, so I'm not sure how the ruling would have went, but uh, that timing game and and how tired we were and and uh, you know overplaying our penalty killers all night i thought it was a, a decent no call and you know allowed us to uh you know still get the point out of there and possibly give us a chance to get two in overtime you know i got to imagine that after the game bob bugner just goes back to the hotel shakes his head or actually i guess they got on a plane but you know i imagine he is just uh racking his brain for answers and i think the answer ultimately is is the sharks don't have the talent to win they are doing many of the things right that you need to do in the NHL on the road to get points. They are doing this simultaneously while developing young talent. Unfortunately, it's just not yielding two points. Now, I would rather get one point than none, obviously, but again, there is a mental wear and tear that I think is most definitely happening with this team. It's good that they get to get back home on home ice. They get to play in front of their home crowd. They get three games this week, three out of their next four are at home. Again, Columbus Tuesday night, St. Louis Thursday night, Chicago Saturday night, at Vegas on Sunday, Tuesday night, your last home game of the year hosting Anaheim. Then you are at Edmonton and at Seattle uh, to end the season before the month of April comes to an end. So unfortunately, we are in the final stretch. I wish we had you know, more and more Sharks hockey, but you know, compared to the shortened amounts we've had over the last two seasons prior to this, we're going to get in a full 82, barring something completely catastrophic and unforeseen. And uh, we've gotten a pretty clear picture of what the Sharks need to do in this offseason to allow themselves to compete for a playoff spot and more in the near future. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will see you Tuesday afternoon on the buildup for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.